Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. In this teaching series, Kevin speaks about various themes from the book of Proverbs, providing us with practical wisdom for a life well lived. Visit kevinconnor.org for more details. Okay, so, uh, session six here, and we're dealing with wisdom from Proverbs. Uh, but uh, honestly, how many got something from the first session? And uh, I hope you pick up my spirit because uh, a lot of people won't touch on these things and say, oh, well, Kevin's a nice guy, but he's legalistic and pharisaical. No, I just want to protect our young people. And if I can save you from any of this, it's, it's not, as I said, it's not worth it. And uh, having dealt with so many cases over my years, that's why I speak, I speak like that. Okay, so let's uh, go to session uh, session six here, and I've called this uh, session Wisdom from Proverbs. Okay, introductory. As already noted, there are several hundred proverbs in this book. In this session, we will consider two proverbial themes uh, in this book as they also flow through the Bible. Okay, letter A, teaching and keeping biblical truths in balance. Now, I want you to respond to me in a few moments on some questions here that we're going to ask because I, th- I, th- I believe that when Adam fell, Adam and Eve fell and messed us all up, they tipped us on our head and we all went out of balance, uh, even me, that includes me, and just trying to balance things up. Uh, and that's uh, one of the big problems. Okay, so teaching and keeping biblical truths in balance. Refer to Strong's Concordance on balance or balances. It's generally a pair of scales. Uh, you can uh, put that uh, on the overhead there. Uh, Adrian, is it? Thank you. Okay, and the thing is, if you didn't get the sheet, there is a sheet here available. But okay. So leave that up for a little while here. So generally speaking, uh, speaking of a pair of scales, the accompanying weights uh, belonging to these scales. In any purchase, there must be just balances and uh, just weights. In uh, number one here, Leviticus 19, verse 35, 36, here we have the first mention. A first mention usually has the uh, seed thoughts of every other mention. So it says here, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. And then it says, Just balances and just weights, a just ephah, uh, which is a measuring thing, and a just hen shall you have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of uh, the land of Egypt. So just, just, just. Uh, justly for just balance and so forth. The Lord in his character is a just God. Everybody said amen. amen. And he is just and righteous in all his dealings with mankind. His ways are in perfect balance and he expects the same of his people. So uh, you can read that in Deuteronomy also. Now, as you go down the sheet here, the scriptures speak of an even balance or a just balance. And then it speaks in Proverbs of a false balance, which is an abomination of the Lord. And then it says, uh, next word should be weight, a just weight and balance. And then it speaks of divers' weights or mixture, diverse balances. And then uh, in Hosea chapter 12, I'm not turning to these scriptures, I'll put them there for you, balances of deceit. 
and then wicked and deceitful balances uh, in Micah chapter 6, verse 11. Now, listen to this, because see, merchant Jews often use three sets of weights in dealing with people. They had lightweights for buying in from the seller, so they'd get more. And then they have heavy heavyweights for selling to the buyer. And then there were just weights, which was the sanctuary weights for honest dealings. Now, how many have been to the butcher shop where the butcher puts his thumb on the scales? And how many have been, beside my wife, ever been diddled? <laughs> you can put your hand up. Okay. Tell me the butchers and I'll not go there. Okay. So, so that's the thing. See, in Jewry, they had lightweights buying in from the seller, heavyweights for selling to the buyer, and just weights, sanctuary weights for honest dealings. That's what Ezekiel talks about. Uh, thus, divers' weights, deceitful weights. Then uh, you can re- refer to this theme in other scriptures. Uh, in the uh, book of Daniel, we're told, God's balances, uh, uh, Darius was weighed in the balances and found wanting, uh, deficient, failing the test. The unknown tongue and writing on the wall of Babylon and the divine interpretation through, uh, through Daniel. Now, this is one of the major things that people, and uh, I was just talking to somebody on the weekend and say, so many people are being deceived into Jehovah's Witnesses Church, more man, less God, Mormonism, scatter-day saints, uh, what do you call them anyway, uh, or seven-day Adventism. So many people are being deceived. Do you know why? Because they're using deceitful weights. So let me read off my notes and explain it. False cults in Christendom use balances of deceit to deceive people and hold uh, them in their cages. Jeremiah says that in Revelation. Following is some examples. So I, I, I want you to respond on this one and just see uh, how, where we could be out of balance or might be, you know, hope I'm not out of balance. All right, let's say, number one, how many believe that the Bible teaches there is one true God? Uh, hands up. Don't, don't be afraid. I want your hands up. Okay. But how many also believe that the Bible, God of the Bible is triune? Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, what's the biggest stumbling block to the uh, Muslim faith? The biggest stumbling block to them, they don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but the biggest stumbling block is that there is one, uh, one God, Allah is his name, and uh, Allah has no son. So they reject the sonship. Okay? So we want to be a balance on that. And uh, there's one true God, and yet the God of the Bible has revealed himself as triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, uh, a little bit of doctrine here. This is my, when people say, well, explain the triune God. Well, we can't in our total uh, humanity, but... I say the biggest and best, I think, illustration of the triune God is me in our triune nature and being. Now, Kevin Connor 
How many are glad there's only one Kevin Connor? Not too many hands, please. <laughs> yeah, everybody said amen. So there's only one Kevin Connor, but I am a triune being. I have spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is God conscious, uh, soul is self conscious, and uh, uh, body is unconscious. No. <laughs> World conscious. There's some who are unconscious. They're the worst people to deal with. Okay, so I am a three-in-one being, yet there's only one Kevin Connor. So there's only one true God, and yet God has revealed himself in three centers of consciousness. I like that. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Gospel of Matthew opens up with uh, Jesus being baptized in water and the Father's voice saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased and the Holy Spirit descending uh, upon him like a dove. And then Matthew chapter 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into, uh, literally it should be, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So it opens and closes Gospel Matthew with a triune God. Okay, so so far so good. All right, now what about the next one? See, those who are cultic, they go against that triunity of God, where how can God be three and yet one? They don't understand the mystery of man. We are a triune being. Does that help anybody? Yes. Okay, go to the next one just for a moment. Okay, what about number two? How many believe in divine sovereignty? And on the other side, human responsibility. Now, see, it's like the first one. If you take all the scriptures on the oneness of God and put them on the scales, you get out of balance. And see, what's the ministry of teacher supposed to just adjust that screw, the balancing screw, and keep a balance on these things. Or if you take all the scriptures on the threeness of God, then you get into tritheism or three separate gods. I mean, uh, you know, as I said, there's a certain amount of mystery here, but uh, uh, I went to one church, I won't say we're out of courtesy, and uh, uh, what they did, they worshipped, uh, they were almost bordered on tritheism. So they worshipped the Father, and after they thought he was happy with that, then they worshipped the Son, and then they thought, oh, we've got to give the Holy Spirit a turn. Then they worshipped him. So when you get to heaven, are you going to see three separate gods? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit sitting on three separate thrones? You can't do that. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that God is light and he dwells in light unapproachable who no man has seen nor can see. So when you get to heaven, who are you going to see? So the only way we'll ever see God who is blazing unapproachable light will always see God through Jesus. You can't comprehend that. None of us can. But it's just keeping balance. Okay? So, divine sovereignty, human responsibility. That's the thing. Now, if you put all the scriptures on divine sovereignty, you get into fatalism. What will be, will be. And a lot of people say, oh, well, what will be, will be. No, there's human responsibility. God has given us a free will. 
In his sovereignty, he saves us, but it's our choice. So we have a free will. What about uh, the next one here? Uh, predestined and uh, predestination and foreknowledge. How many, and put up your hands one way or the other, you're not going to lose your salvation. Uh, you may get some adjustment. How many believe that Judas was predestined to sell Christ out? For money in there? Okay. Now, see, I would say you are out of balance. Because I'm adjusting the screw there. See? The reason some people believe that, and I'll forgive you tonight in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay, I'll forgive you for that, is that they say, well, there's four prophecies in the book of Psalms that are Judas' Psalms where uh, Judas was prophesied to sell Christ out. Now, a couple of statements you need to be taken down if you don't uh, haven't already ha- heard it. Prophecy is not predestination, prophecy is foreknowledge. That's the balance. Otherwise, let's follow that theory through. Okay, Judas was predestined to sell Christ out. So when Judas stands before the Lord and the Lord says to him, Judas, why did you sell Christ out for money you never lived to spend? Judas is going to be able to throw it up in the face of God. You predestined me. I had no option. Why didn't you pick on Peter and Blabberbouth or Matthew the tax gatherer? He's after the money. Pick on somebody else. Why pick on me? God cannot do anything unjust with his creatures that's inconsistent with his character. Okay? So you've got to see the difference between predestination and foreknowledge. God foreknew. That's the thing. And he foretold it, but foretelling or prophecy is not predestination. As I said before, God will never do anything with his creatures that's inconsistent with his character. So I hope I submit that to you because you're an intelligent bunch of people. That's disgusting. I said, you're an intelligent bunch of people. So you just have to adjust. Because God is not unjust. See, just balances, just weight, just ether. Everything is just perfectly just about him. All right, now, let's go quickly to the next one. What about the Lord Jesus Christ? How many believe that Jesus Christ is man? How many believe he's God? See, if you say, and see, this is where the, the false cults get into uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and so forth. They overemphasize his uh, humanity and they nullify his divinity. There's others who say Jesus was God and they put on the scales here all the scriptures concerning his divinity and they nullify his humanity. Jesus was the God man. Two natures in one person. Human nature, divine nature. And it was the divine nature that carried the human nature through victoriously. He never sinned in thought, word or deed. If Jesus sinned in thought, word or deed, then he needs a saviour. And if he needs a saviour, he cannot be our saviour. 
God chose a sinless person, the God-man, in whom were blended the two natures, the divine nature and the human nature, into one. Now, let me ask this while we're at it. How many believe that we all have divine nature? No, uh, bef- uh, now, okay, the, the Peter says we are partakers of the divine nature. Uh, how, many, how many are partakers of divine nature? Some of you need to get saved, I think. Okay, but how many of you have human nature? <laughs> Even I do. Okay, so we are blending and what we're praying for and that's what God wants to do he wants the divine nature which Paul says that Christ might be formed in you he wants the divine nature to cast out sin in human nature because as I said last Sunday we are all forgiven of our sins but the law of sin is not yet eradicated Yes. You, you spend a couple of chapters very clearly explaining most of this material here. I do, really. Yeah, okay, so there's a good commercial, not coming from me, <laughs> hey, my humble self, but buy my book on Romans, a commentary on Romans. You get, have to rush the word together, see if you can get it cheap. <laughs> you skin flints. Okay. Um, all right, uh, so balancing that, he is the God-man. Then law and grace. So that's what we're struggling with today because there's so much emphasis on grace. Once in grace, always in grace, even if you live in disgrace. You can't do that. And then say, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. So I've dealt with that in one of the books I've written on law and grace. What do you mean? I'm not under law, I'm under grace. So if you get into law only, well, apart from the grace of God, you get into legalism, Phariseeism, or if you get into grace only, you get into greasy grace. Once in grace, always in grace, even if I live in disgrace. Balance, balance, balance. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Kevin, for that good point. Uh, what about the next one? Uh, mercy and truth. Did you know that when Jesus healed some people, you have to go through the scripture and this woman, say the Syrophoenician woman, came crying to uh, Jesus, have mercy on me, have mercy on my daughter. She's grievously vexed with the devil. Oh, thou son of David. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Now, what's he doing? I mean, he's a woman in need, not for herself, but for her daughter. And Jesus treats her like a dog. And she said, well, even the puppy dogs receive the crumbs from the table. But then you know what she said? She said, truth, Lord. So mercy and truth have met together. And when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, was it truth or was it mercy? He cannot minister truth. He cannot minister mercy at the expense of truth. That's hard. So when we come to Christ, 
we have to first admit we're a sinner. You save me by your grace. Have mercy on me. And that, that, that's, that's a whole message itself. Okay, um, what's the next one? Okay, mercy and truth. All right, uh, a couple more here. Uh, this, this is what we've been on the last couple of uh, weeks, say. What about love and hate? Does God love everybody? <clears throat> no, no, you weren't listening to my message last, last week. Yes. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Now why did God hate Esau? Alright, I, how many were here last night, uh, last Sunday night? But you didn't listen. Okay, when God saw the whole history of Esau on the basis of foreknowledge, he could say, Esau have I hated, Jacob have I loved. That Jacob, in spite of himself, he wanted God. And God says, I'm the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Not the God of Ishmael and the God of Esau. Eh? So God knows. So these things, God is love, but also there's some things he hates. Now, uh, I think uh, when we turn over the page, we'll do this. What do you do with this? Uh, Does God love everybody? You're getting scared now, you bunch of chickens. Listen to Psalm 11. It's on your notes. I'll give it to you in a moment. Psalm 7:11 says, God judges the righteous, but God is angry with the wicked every day. Oh. So, as I've said before, and I checked them out down uh, Bansdale, does, you know, God loves the sinner but he doesn't love the sin. How many believe that's true? No, you're not listening to me, you naughty girls and boys. Here's the truth. Because, see, the average Australian says, oh, God loves the sinner, he likes me, he doesn't like what I do, she'll be right, mate. No, that's bad theology, and that's imbalance. So here's the truth, the balance. God loves the sinner, he hates the sin, but unless the sinner repents of his sin, he's lost. Now, everybody agree with me? Think on these things. See, I'm checking out, are we balanced? And see, a lot of imbalanced theology comes from the church. Um, all right, what about, uh, I'll be doing it with this, God's love and God's anger. What's that? Uh, uh, we're still on page uh, one. Uh, you can add these two, uh, these uh, extra I'm giving you. Okay, so what is Calvary a revelation of? How many believe Calvary is a revelation of the love of God? Yes. All right, is it a revelation of the holiness of God? Yes. All right, which comes first, holiness or love? Holiness. Not love, holiness. Jesus is dying for our sin to uphold the righteousness of God. And in Romans chapters 1 through to 4, it says the, the key word is the wrath of God, the wrath of God, the wrath of God. And it's not till you get to chapter 5 where it says God commended his love towards us. 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So just balance, balance, balance. Okay, what about uh, another uh, one you can put on uh, the, the sheet there? Uh, security and obedience. How many believe the believer, uh, the, that the believer is eternally secure? <laughs> Hands up. You're a bunch of chickens now. You're all scared. You haven't got a hand or you're frightened. Okay, let me catch you. Okay. Was Adam eternally secure? Adam and Eve? Or were they eternally secure upon obedience? Okay, now you got it. That's balance. See, some people say, I'm eternally secure, once in grace, always in grace. Doesn't matter what I do. No. I like what Andrew Murray said, and you've heard me quote this before. I know you've forgotten it. Andrew Murray says, Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from which Adam fell. Well, that's a good sentence. Christ died to bring us back to the obedience from uh, which Adam fell. So security is dependent upon obedience. What are we going to do in eternity? We're going to obey God. And we're going to say, not my will, but your will be done. Everybody said amen? Okay. Let's turn over for our last number of moments. You're doing marvellous there. Yeah. Uh, to page two, uh, 15 it'll be. And uh, just a few moments on this. As you can see, we have to skip so much. Handling righteous or sinful anger. Uh, there are two kinds of anger mentioned in the Bible. Righteous anger or sinful anger. Believers especially need to discern which of the, these emotions are at work and uh, manage such accordingly. So, accordingly. Okay, so if I said to you, what makes you angry? Does any, anybody apart from me get angry? Yes. You know, a couple of things that make me angry is that, as I said last Sunday night, 100,000 babies are aborted every year in Australia. While the Muslims, they say, we have four wives, we're going to take over Australia either by jihad or by immigration and population. So I went to a seminar a few years back in Crossway Church. Three days they wouldn't let me in the second seminar because I was under Mark Connor the father and son, the father is now subject to the son, <laughs> then they apologise. So, oh, this is on tape, isn't it? <laughs> All right, so what makes me angry? It makes me angry when I have been in America and I find millions of abortions since the Roe vs. Wade and some of the babies are aborted live and they're crying in the bin there. That makes me angry. Eh? It makes me angry to know that some doctors here, they go into one room and deliver a live baby. They go into another room and they take the brains out or do something here, kill the baby. Abortion. That makes me angry. Do you think anything makes God angry? Go to your notes on page 15. Uh, we're coming in for a landing here. So the word anger 
is mentioned, and if you want to check it out, you can. Some 228 times or 234 times in the scriptures, KJV, the word angry is mentioned some 43 or 44 times in the scriptures. So divine anger or God's anger, number one. Because God is holy, just and righteous, a uh, God, his anger is always justified. Some challenging verses to think about. God judges the righteous and read the scriptures yourself. God is angry with the wicked every day. What do you do with that? Now God, as I said before, God is love, but he doesn't get angry. What do you do with this one? Deuteronomy, the next bullet. God was angry with Moses and would not allow him to enter the, uh, the promised land, Canaan land, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and so forth. God was angry with Aaron over the golden calf idolatry. When Aaron said, these should be your gods that brought you out of Egypt. God was angry. Then what do you do with this one? First Kings chapter 11 and verse 9. God was angry with Solomon because of his turning away from God after divine appearances to him. And then next one, God was angry with Israel for their repeated idolatries and, re- and, and uh, removed them. Okay, them it should be. Uh, and then... Uh, Next one, next bullet. God is angry when people reject his son. It says in Psalm 2, kiss the son lest he be angry. And then in the Gospels, even Jesus, who's the love of God personified, was angry with the hardness of heart as he healed a man. So although God is love, yet at times he is angry. The scriptures teach us that the Lord is slow to anger. How many are glad? Yet so he's love, and is God is love. Yet at times he gets angry. So there are some 186 references to anger, and some 18 to angry. Most of these references to God's anger are for violations of the Ten Commandments. That is idolatry, images, dishonouring His name, and, and you know the latest thing out. And I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, on the television, when we watch the bad news, you know, and some things. Oh, my God. That's become a swear word. It's the modern thing. Oh, my God. Well, do do they even believe in God? Do they act as if they believe in God? No. Most of them are atheists. Oh, my God. I don't even like to imitate it. So... That's it. So violations, dishonouring his name, Sabbath violations, stealing, lying, murders, adulteries and a host of other sins. And then there's some 40 references to human anger and some 26 to humans being angry. Proverbs, uh, anger is mentioned at least eight times and six times references there. Now, righteous or human anger? So It says in Ephesians, be angry and sin not. So there's some place for anger. You can be angry and sin not. How many think it's right for me to be angry over abortion, as an example? No, you're saying to the abortionists, God loves you. He doesn't like what you're doing. God is angry with the wicked every day. See? Imbalance, God is love, 
God gets angry. Okay? Then look at the next scripture. Put off all these anger, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife, it should be, not strike. Be not hasty in your spirit to be anger, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. So, okay. Let's finish on this. I think you've had enough. Uh, Next page, uh, page 16. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for his soul. And this has damaged so many people. They've been with people who are angry and mad at God and at society and everything like that. They just get angry. Say, I don't want to associate with people that get mad or angry. I don't want that to rub on my... I have enough problems. Uh, This is a good one too. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. You can put this down. Nebuchadnezzar could take a city, but when people didn't bow to his image, he got so angry he threw them in the fire. Wow. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. He couldn't rule his spirit. And when the three Hebrew children didn't bow to him, so many warnings against sinful anger and the need to handle this God's way. One can have righteous anger and be angry and sin not. And then you can read the rest of the scriptures. He that is angry, angry with his brother without a cause... And the elder brother was angry and would not go into the party or listen to the entreaties of his father over the returned prodigal brother. You didn't make me a feast. It's your son. And the father said, your brother. He's not my brother. He's your son. Angry, angry, angry. And you know, when God brings in backsliders, the people have been in a bad life. Hey, we've got to have an open heart towards him. How many can say amen? Okay, Uh, elder brother was angry. And then the last scripture, Jonah was angry with God for sparing repentant Nineveh, the animals and the withered good plant. So learn to manage your anger. See what is the source of it, as I have to. I'm a human being. Okay, we're three minutes over time. Let's all stand. And thanks for being such a wonderful bunch. Remember, if you didn't get the sheet there, uh, there's a scales here. And you can add the other scriptures. And, um, yeah, on that. And I have a couple more of the uh, word things here if you haven't got them and you're interested. No pressure of sales for me. Let's all stand. Father, we just thank you for the privilege of drawing aside just from the busyness of life and just receiving of your inexhaustible word. Lord, it's true. The more we know, the less we know. And Lord, that when Adam and Eve sinned, we fell on our head and became so unbalanced, Lord. Help us to balance up and read your word and see 
just the perfect balance that is in you. Help us, Lord. And as we go into this week, may we just uh, be a balanced witness in all we think, do and say. And we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.